I'm going to continue from where I was talking last week, and we're talking about the cause behind Christmas. So we started off, first of all, saying this is going to be a good Christmas. Going to be a good Christmas. Sometimes our circumstances are hard, and so we go, okay, it's going to be a hard Christmas. That's because your focus is in the wrong place. But if you will focus on Christ, who uh, had a hard Christmas, his first Christmas, (laughs) he can bring you through. You can know him more in that place. You can experience him more in that place. You can know his peace. You can know his love. You can know his presence. And so I just encourage you, Jesus Christ was born into your trouble. And so receive the gift. Hallelujah. So it's going to be a good Christmas. And so we're taking uh, December to celebrate not just the birth of Jesus Christ, but the cause for which he was born. And we as Christmas uh, for many years have used the, the pagan celebration of the solstice to instead celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ and the triumph of the kingdom of light over darkness. In the story surrounding Jesus' birth, the angels sang, the wise men worshipped, the shepherds praised God and spread the story, and old Simeon blessed God. None of these celebrations was focused on the cuteness or the innocence of the baby. The celebration was on the revelation of who Jesus is and the cause for which he came into the world, and that's the focus of our celebration, and there's so much to celebrate. As we consider the purpose for which Jesus came into the world, we're going to see that Jesus understood that he came from heaven, sent by God into the world for a cause, and surrendered himself completely to the will and the purpose of his Father. We're also going to realize that at the end of his life, Jesus was able to say that he had completed the work that he was sent to do, and triumphantly from the cross announced, it is finished. And then we're going to see that as the Father sent Jesus into the world in the same way he sent his apostles into the world and through their witness, we too, as followers of Jesus Christ, have received the same commission to enter into our world with the message and the benefits of the gift of Jesus Christ and offer it to the world. And so we've been celebrating a little bit of that already this morning. So last week we celebrate that, celebrated that Jesus came to do away with sin through the sacrifice of himself, to take away our sin by bearing sin's judgment upon himself, to appease God's wrath, so not just for our sins, but for the sin of the whole world, and through his death to reconcile man back to God through the removal of the record of all of our trespasses. So since he completed that work, then sin has been done away with through the sacrifice of himself. Then our sins have been taken away. Then the wrath of God against our sin has been completely exhausted and appeased. And we have been reconciled back to God. Not only us, but this was done for every single person on the face of the earth. God was speaking to me this morning and he says, man was created in my image and when man was created in my image, in his heart was written my law and my law continues to reside within within their hearts. And he said, it is the heart of man that condemns him. The heart of man knows he was created for good and he was created for love, but because he is bound in sin, he recognizes that 
he is not living up to the law that's written within his heart. Wants to be a good person, would boast of being a good person, but inwardly in his own heart, in the secret place, his heart condemns him for the actions that he does. And he finds himself in this quandary because in his heart he goes, I want to improve my behavior. But something stops him from doing that. And he says, I want to resist doing certain behavior. But he finds himself habitually doing it. And so in the midst of living inside, he goes, what's wrong? What's wrong? Because I want to stop that behavior. I want I want to be more loving, I want to be more kind, I want to be more compassionate, I want to be more generous, I want to be more merciful, I want to be more tolerant, I want to be less critical, I want to be less judgmental, I want to have less negativity coming out of my mouth and in my thoughts, I just can't see, even though I make a commitment that I'm going to change, it seems like it keeps coming up. How come my heart says good, I want to do good, but something else inside of me is at work that's canceling out my will? I feel like in this body somehow a warfare is going on and I'm losing the battle. And somehow inside this body I'm a prisoner to something I don't want to be a prisoner to. And my own heart condemns me. And he said, when I say in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation, I am freeing the heart of man from condemning himself. I have already paid for his sin. I have already removed sin from the equation. I have already paid for the sins of the whole world. I have already reconciled men back to God. But the problem is, in man's heart, his own conscience condemns him because he needs to receive in his heart the forgiveness I've provided. And until that happens, there's a hostility in his heart towards God because his conscience understands that if I know I am not doing, living, I'm living in a way below what my heart says I should do, I also am saying in the same breath that I am accountable for the way I live. And if I'm accountable for the way I live, there must be a day when that accountability will be called for. And since God represents the day of accountability... I don't want to talk about God because my heart condemns me. But there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. No fear of judgment. No fear of wrath. There is boldness to enter into the presence of God because the gift that came at Christmas is the gift of redeeming love. And the gift of redeeming love has taken sin away. Taken sin away. Paid for it once and for all. Removed all judgment. Exhausted it on Christ. So those who receive the gift of Christ are free, not just in their relationship with God, but free within their own hearts. I love the fact that when I come into God's presence, I am not thinking about my sin. I am looking to explore his love, explore his mercy and his goodness, meet with him and allow his presence to change me. And even when an area within my life it becomes exposed, there is no condemnation in the moment. There is freedom. There is hope. There is transformation. This is our gift. This is our gift. Man, that was just a review of last week. So I'm going to start the conversation 
This week, at a scripture in the Christmas story, it's familiar to us all. I did refer to it last week. It's Matthew 1, 20 and 21. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Joseph, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So many are familiar with the word, uh, the Greek word sozo, which means to be saved, healed, delivered, rescued from, and brought into safety. He will save his people. It's the complete job. It's not just forgiveness of sins. It's, for, it's freedom from its power. It's freedom from its effect. It's freedom from its curse. The whole enchilada. It's there. Jesus did it. And his name which was given to him before his birth, is declared what his purpose was in coming into this world. His name is Jesus, for he will save, heal, deliver, and rescue his people from their sins. John, one of Jesus' apostles, talked further about this salvation. In John, 1 John 4, verse 10, he says, In this is love, Not that we love God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. Ooh, that's a big word, propitiation. So propitiation means to appease God's wrath and or secure His favor. He sent Jesus Christ, okay, to appease God's wrath and secure His favor. God took the onus on himself. It says, while we were yet sinners, while we were powerless, while we were enemies of God, God took the onus. He took the onus to release us from wrath and secure for us favor. While we were, understand, he did this while we were his enemies. So that even though our nature had been corrupted by sin, we would escape the judgment of his wrath. He took the onus on himself so that even though our corrupted nature would naturally provoke his wrath, instead, in Christ, it would cause him to release his favor upon us. This means that for you and I, God's love and favor is never, never, never based on our behavior. It is based on our placement in Jesus Christ. It is placed on our That means that even when your behavior is bad and you're coming to God and acknowledging it, you come acknowledging it with a celebration that your acceptance with Him is never based on your behavior. Yeah. Such freeing and empowerment in this relationship with God. This is the reason God sent His Son. This reason alone should make our whole life a celebration. 1 John 2, 1 and 2, My dear children, those of God's family, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice, or the word is propitiation, appeasing God's wrath, securing His favor. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but the sins of the whole world. Yeah, John is 
It's clear in his writing that God's grace is not a license to practice sin. If anyone lives in Christ, they live like Christ because they're walking in relationship with him. The more fully one, one knows God, the, the more they long to be obedient to his commandments. The more completely they know God's love, the more completely they treasure his word. Those who live in God's light walk in God's love towards him and towards one another. Those who possess righteousness are become transformed by the power of righteousness within them. So it's not a license to just keep staying in sin and celebrating somehow God's grace. But he's very clear that in the process of growing from infancy, learning to walk in victory, coming to a state of maturity in our relationship with God, should you and I sin? All right, so not should. In the process, all those times that we're going to end up sinning. In the process of learning who we are. We have an advocate. In Jesus Christ, forgiveness of our sin has already been paid for. Through Christ's death, God's wrath against our sin has already been completely exhausted. Hallelujah. What security and what love. Hallelujah. No judgment, no condemnation, no fear of punishment, and no separation anxiety in my relationship with God. None. Secure, at peace, confident, bold. But that payment was not only for our sins alone, but for the sin of any who would still come to be in Christ. The moment they turn to Jesus Christ, they will find exactly the same experience as you. In Christ, forgiveness of their sin has already been paid for. And through Christ's death, God's wrath against their sin has been completely exhausted at the cross. That's your next-door neighbor. That's your fellow employee that irks you. That's your relative. Their sin is completely paid for. Relationship with God is completely open to them. The moment they turn to Christ, everything, everything, is available to them. Hallelujah, no judgment, no condemnation, no fear of punishment. They can know the same peace and security in their relationship with God that moment because this gift has secured that. The blood of Jesus spilt on the earth was a gift of inconceivable worth for mankind and he came to spill it because rather than crying from the dust of the earth for vengeance like the blood of Abel, From the moment Jesus cried out upon the cross until the sun sets on the day of salvation, the blood of Jesus will plead, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus died pleading mercy over the very murderers that stood in front of him. So that the moment the very murderers putting him to death would turn their hearts in faith, they too would be completely forgiven, even of his murder. He came to pay the price of redemption so those who hate him, as well as those who love him, could be saved. Forgive them, they know not what they do. The blood of Jesus secures forgiveness for those mocking and celebrating his crucifixion and pleads as well for mercy for their blindness and ignorance. He could have said they know exactly what they're doing. Judge them. He said, forgive them. Father, they have no idea what they're doing. What are you talking about? 
They're crucifying the Lord of glory. They're turning and mocking goodness in its face. But he still said, they know not what they are doing. Mercy for their blindness and ignorance so that those like Saul, who was on his way leading the terrorists of his day to persecute and drive out the Christians from their cities so that Saul could receive this mercy. Unbelievable mercy. And that is why Jesus gave a standing ovation for the first martyr, who even though he was being stoned to death, re-echoed the words of Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them and hold not this charge to their account. And through the blood of this martyr, intercession was made for Saul, which is why Saul was given the opportunity, even though he had persecuted and murdered believers, he was given the opportunity for salvation, which is why you hold in your Bibles the writing of a terrorist converted. This is the power of this gift in our world. The other day, God said to me, too many of us are, one, either indifferent, but he was actually focusing on what is stirred up in us through the media regarding the terrorists of our day. And he said, not enough people are pleading for mercy. I want to move with this same mercy among those the world fears. This gift, 1 Timothy 1, 12-17, Paul says, this is Saul who was converted to Paul. Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly. They know not what they do out of unbelief. And the grace of the Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners like me, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Christ Jesus might show all long-suffering as a pattern for those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Paul says this, I was the worst of the worst, not because he was trying to get the Mr. Bad badge. I was the worst of the worst. I was blind. I was ignorant. I was a religious bigot. I was a murderer. I was fighting against God and against God's people. And yet because of this gift, Christ came into the world to save sinners. I want you to understand from the example of my life, there is no depth too far for this gift to reach. There is no person too corrupted for this blood to save. 
There is no one disqualified. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And his mercy is incredible. Oh, church, we have no idea the extent of God's mercy. Stop. Stop focusing on sin in your relationship with God. Stop. Stop allowing the unbelief in your heart to continue to allow your conscience to condemn you in your relationship with God. Your conscience to condemn you on the basis of performance instead of your faith to be centered on him and what he has done. Let this freedom, let this forgiveness, let this love, let this mercy flow into your heart and celebrate it. It's supposed to be a good Christmas. Joy to the world. Except for Christians who know God and know what his demands are. No, joy to the world. Joy to the world. And peace and goodwill. To all those sinners, it should be packaged in that message because it's for them. But believers who are his children are under a really strict father and there's no peace and goodwill here in his house. We need to blast that out. For this cause, Christ came into the world. But let me do this. For God, this, this cause, Christ came into your life to put away sin, to make full payment, full atonement, to appease all of God's wrath and all justice, to put away every record of wrong. Well, if that's all gone, what are you going to talk to God about? Like, what's, if you eliminate, you know, thinking about, you know, your behavior and all you've done wrong, okay, all the places you're failing and falling short, and all the things that you're not measuring up in your Christian walk, if you put that out of the conversation and you're going to stand to talk to God, you're probably going to stand there going, I don't know what to talk about. It's all I ever talk about. Isn't that what he wants to talk about? No! That has been removed. So what are we going to talk about? Who we are in Christ? What he's done for us, the love he has for us, the mercy he has for us, the destiny that he has for us. And as we begin to contemplate on the goodness and the love of God, something in us wants to rise up because we're free from all condemnation. So God, look in me. See everything that is not from you. Everything that does not belong to this new nature you have given me and take it out because I want to be like you. That's the power. That's the power of the gift. It's a good Christmas. It's a good Christmas. It's a good Christmas. Stop leaving this gift wrapped and unopened under your tree. Stop going through Christmas and getting the tree and the lights. Do all that stuff. That's wonderful. It's a great Canadian tradition. But would you unpackage the gift? Would you unpackage the joy? Would you unpackage the forgiveness? Would you unpackage the love? Would you unpackage the freedom? Permission not to unwrap carefully. Tear into it. Yeah. 
And why not unpackage it for somebody that doesn't know? You don't have to point out their sin. Their conscience is already doing that. But the Holy Spirit has come to bring this conviction. The only sin that will keep you out of heaven is your unbelief. That you would not believe and receive the gift that would cleanse your conscience from its own condemnation so that you could return to your Father. He has given a gift of righteousness so that when you stand on the day of accountability, there is no uncertainty or fear of punishment because the Prince of Peace has destroyed the prince of the power of the air and has judged his authority over your life, has judged the power of the law and the the power of accusation over your life. And you can walk in peace, not only with God, but with yourself and with others. What an incredible gift. Do you recognize with me that we're only holding the bow of this package and we really haven't unpackaged it in our relationship with God and we really haven't unpackaged it in relationship to the people that we're meeting and talking about. We're still kind of conflicted as to whether or not their sin was paid for, whether God's looking at them like, I tell you, the whole church is conflicted. I'm not just talking, we're we're conflicted in our message. We're conflicted in our belief. And the reason why we're conflicted is we're living our life conflicted instead of celebrating the joy. Angels singing in the sky. Oh, you sinners fear Jesus Christ is here. Let's put that on our Christmas cards. (laughs) If you wouldn't put it on your Christmas card, why would you put it? In your message. I'll do one more verse. Matthew 9. On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous. I have come to call the sinners. And in Luke's version, it says to call the sinners to repentance, to turn their hearts back to God. Jesus cut through all the religious facade, and he called those who would follow him to be students of his way to learn this. What is more important than the letter of the law is its heart. An adherence to the rules and regulations, the forms and the traditions or loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. We can take pride in all our outward displays of religious devotion, but he finds pleasure when in his name we show mercy and compassion to those who are in need. Jesus came to call sinners who, in the light of his truth and love, would recognize their need and respond to his offer of salvation healing and deliverance. He did not come to call those who knew the law of God but had allowed their traditions and religious activities to blind their eyes to the truth of God and deafen their ears to the cries of those who were bound in sin. 
I think a lot of times we're more impressed by what we do and call worship than Jesus is. And I believe that where all that we sing about actually becomes authentic is when we reach out with that same love and we minister it in mercy and kindness and compassion in love in giving and in concern and sharing the message of his love with others who haven't heard it i believe in that moment the presence of god is so real i believe in that moment we actually find ourselves it's really interesting when he said go into all the world he said lo i will be with you always it seems like he connected his commitment for his presence to be with us to our going and that in the going we would find and recognize his presence and i believe in those moments when we're actually sharing this incredible gift. I understand you have to receive this incredible gift. You've got to unpackage it for yourself before you go running in the streets like the woman at the well, unpackaged for her, and she goes running back into the town. Look, look, look at the gift. Look, 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 look what I got for Christmas. I went out to the well in shame. I went out to the well alone. I went out to the well an adulteress. I went out to the well so thirsty and I met a man and he had a Christmas present. And it took me a while to unpackage it because I had all these religious arguments. But when it opened up, the man knew me, but he loved me and he wanted to minister to the need within me. He didn't condemn me for all the places my longing had taken me. He redirected my longing to him. It's in the package. Look what he gave me. Come, come and see. That's been the theme of evangelism ever since the beginning. Not a lot of people who go to church in condemning atmospheres, always feeling like they fall short, and then walking out and saying, do you want some of this too? Why don't you come and join us? We're having a miserable time there, you know, but just come. No, it's always been, come and see. Come and see. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be? He came not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And we're just starting to unpackage how good this really is. And we haven't really started to live in it yet. But here's my little prayer. That when you start thinking thoughts in your relationship with God that are negative, condemning, judgmental, not measuring up, things that have already been taken care of in this gift, that you would hear these words just rising up behind that negativity, condemnation, hopelessness, sense of failure. These words would rise up right underneath. 
Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! I now, in the name of Jesus, anoint those words that every time you hear anything sung about them, anything said about them, anybody well-wishing Merry Christmas, you would somehow be receiving a revelation of the freedom and the life and the acceptance and the love and the mercy and the goodness. And when you say to somebody, Merry Christmas, something of your spirit would leap on them and they would receive a revelation. The doorway would even open up for conversation and you'd be able to tell them what's in your Christmas present. Can you stand up? Hallelujah. Now may the love of the Father and the grace and empowerment in the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ and the constant communion of this reality to your spirit be with y'all. Merry Christmas. God bless. Hallelujah.